the really important thing is that it's by however a, a church does it, and churches do it in different ways, what we are actually doing is saying, I'm committing myself to you. I'm committing myself to the Lord, and I'm committing myself to you. And that brings together two really important elements in the Christian life, our, our faith and trust in Christ and our life for Him, but also that we commit ourselves to all those in the fellowship to whom He has committed Himself. And so becoming a formal member of the church is very, very important. How many of you bought a car this year and committed to buy, purchasing it? Okay, some of you. How many of you bought a house this year? I'm sorry if you did. Um, <clears throat> right? <laughs> like, you know, how many of you, um, how many of you, how many of you, some of you had kids in here this year, didn't you? Yeah, some of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. You could be proud of that. I see you back there, right? Those are all commitments, aren't they? How many of you committed to go on vacation? Like you paid for it and you're like, yeah. Okay, there's more of you that did that. Okay, that tells me a lot, right? Okay. <clears throat> uh, we, we make commitments a lot, don't we? We make that commitment. How many of you get nervous of making a commitment? Okay, now we're being honest here. Right? We, we kind of get nervous about making commitments sometimes because why? Commitments do what? They require something from us, don't they? They either require money or they require me keeping them alive if it's a child, right? And they require more money than I was anticipating, right? But, but commitments require something from us and so there's something in us that then we just kind of get nervous about making a commitment because it requires something of me. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the commitment of church membership. The commitment of church membership. And what does that look like? And, and we get nervous about it because guess what? It requires something from us, doesn't it? Right? Requires something from us. Our aim is this. The commitment of church membership is for the purpose of becoming a disciple and loving one another. The, the purpose of church membership, commitment of church membership, is for the purpose of us becoming a disciple and loving one another. Okay? And so in our text this morning, we're going we're gonna to read. I'm going to paint some context here for you. Jesus is with his disciples. Okay, so, so everything we read at this point is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to those who have committed their life to following him. So when we read this text, we have to understand that Jesus is talking to the church. He's talking to the people who have given their lives to him, have surrendered to be his disciples. This is not a mandate for outside of the church. This is a command for us right here who have committed to Jesus. I think oftentimes one of, the, one of the mistakes we make as believers is we expect the world to act like us. We expect them to have everything all together before they come in here. But Jesus oftentimes would step away and say, hey, this commandment is for you. And that's what he's doing here. 
He's, he's talking to his disciples. And, and right before this, he has is, he is, he is revealed that Judas is going to be the one that's betrayed him. Shortly after this little conversation, Peter's going to be like, I want to go with you. I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus is, we're going to get to John. We're not going to do it this morning. But in this, um, and where Jesus is speaking to disciples, he's going to get to where they're going to go, we want to go with you. And he's like, you can't go with me. And he says, well, how do we get there? And he says, well, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is going to proclaim that to them. But, but this is where we find our text this morning. And so we're going to read in John 13. We're going to back up to verse 31. I don't know if they have that on the screen, but it's, it's okay. Listen, verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also to say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. So let's just stop right there. Jesus is telling his disciples, who have now followed him for three years, hey, I'm fixing to leave and go somewhere, and you can't come. Time out. I mean, put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a minute. We've been following you for three years, and you're telling us you're going somewhere and we can't go? That's like me telling my kids, like, hey, I'm going to Six Flags, and you can't go. What? That's not fair. Let's just dial it down a little bit. Hey, I'm going out to eat, and you can't come. What? We're starving, right? That's the response I get from my kids. We're, there's nothing to eat in the house. It's because you ate the whole pantry, the door and everything, right? But, but this is where the disciples are. Jesus is telling them, hey, I'm about to go somewhere, and you can't come. And, and they're like, wait a minute, what? Like, that's, you, you gotta, you gotta, like, there's humanity here. These are people and there's a little bit of concern going on. Why, what? I mean, even Peter's going to go on and be like, whoa, Simon Peter in, in verse 36 says, said to him, Lord, where are you going? Right? Like, kind of a frantic, where are you going? Okay? So this is where they're at. Jesus is speaking to them. He's saying, hey, I'm about to go somewhere, but you can't go. Now, now what we know to be true Okay, because we have the beauty of the story played out for us, is that Jesus is talking about him being glorified, him going to the cross, right? Because Jesus is going to continue in a series of, of really sermons and talking to disciples, and then he's going to be in chapter 18, he's going to be betrayed. And, and then we see the week of Passion Week. Right? But, but there's, this, there's this tension happening of, wait, we want to we go with you. Why can't we go? And, and Jesus is saying, hey, I'm, I'm going because here's what's going to happen. Ultimately, Jesus is going to go and he's going to be sacrificed on a cross. 
And he's going to die in place for the disciples, for you and for me. And then they're going to take him off that cross and they're going to put him in a tomb. And three days later, just like he told his disciples he would do, the tomb's going to be open and he's going to walk out. And he's going to declare victory once and for all over death. That the sacrifice that you needed and I needed has been made. And then he's going to be with his disciples and then he's going to ascend into heaven to the right hand of the Father. And one day, he's coming back. The only response to that is, hallelujah. Come now. Right? And, and, and so this is, this is the context we have ourselves. There's this tension of, why can't we go? What are, what are we to do if you're leaving us? And so Jesus gives them a commandment, okay? And so we're going to take verses 34 and 35. We're going to read them, but we're going to actually, actually preach it backwards. Y'all ready? Okay, look. Verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. It's a lot of love going on, okay? A lot of love going on, right? Verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay, the first point is this this morning. We become a disciple. The commitment of church membership is to help us, to assist us to becoming a disciple. So what is a disciple? Okay, this Greek word here is the word mathetai. Okay, mathetai is where we get our English word math. Good, you got it. You're good. Some of y'all were a little confused. You're like, math. I think it's math. I think he means math. Should I say it? Math is where we get our word. Right. So then that helps us understand the word, because the, the the word disciple, mathetai, okay, is it means this. It means learning with endeavor. So it doesn't mean that we just learn a lot of cool things, but it's that we learn and put action to it. So a disciple is someone who learns, but puts it into action. That's what a disciple is. That's what a disciple is. Look, Tony Evans in his book, God's Glorious Church, says it this way. The Greek philosopher Plato developed a system of thought that bears his name. Then he trained his young disciple Aristotle in this, in this system of Platonic philosophy. Aristotle then built on Plato's teaching and developed his own system known as Aristotelian logic. Aristotle then established schools called academies to train more disciples hang on this Greek discipleship system was very effective because even after Rome conquered Greece the Romans could not eradicate Greek influence so while Rome wielded military power the Greeks wielded power 
over the culture because well-trained Greek disciples were functioning at every level of the society. These people lived under Roman rule, but their thinking was Greek. And in the end, what people think, listen to this, this is good, in the end, what people think is a lot more important and powerful than what an external power can force them to do. This helps us understand why Jesus commissioned the church to make disciples. When it's done right, the disciple becomes a follower for life because the real battle for souls is waged in the mind. A well-trained disciple can live in a foreign, hostile culture without succumbing to the culture because his mind is fixed on another world. That's the power of a disciple, of someone who learns something and takes it and puts it into action. And the commitment of church membership is in part helping you to become a disciple. When you say that I'm committed, first and foremost, to Jesus, you are then saying, look, you can't say you're committed to Christ and not committed to his church. If you've said that, you're wrong. Just so you're aware. The church is the bride of Christ. When you are committed to Christ as a disciple, you are committed to the church because the church is his. It's not some preachers. It's not some guy who gets up and says things or can lead well. The church belongs to Christ. He is the head of the church. Not me and not any other preacher. He is. And so if you're going to say that you are a disciple of Christ, you are committed to the church. Second thing he says, well, look, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now let's go back to verse 34. Now that we understand that we are a disciple and that we, the church membership is helping us to become a disciple, okay, then because we are a disciple and we are committed to Christ, committed to the church, now what does a disciple do? They love one another. Look what he says in verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So Jesus says this, a new commandment I give to you. Now look, this is... Um, we, we, we need to clarify this word new, okay? Um, when we think of new, what do we think of? Brand new, just created. It's awesome, right? Well, that's not what's being communicated here because the word new that you and I most often um, think about is something that's brand new, it's created, it's a new thought, it's a new idea, it's brand new, right? That's the Greek word, <clears throat> Neos. That is not what's being used here. The Greek word kainos is being used here. And the reason that that is big and huge for us is because when Jesus says here 
and uses this Greek word kainos, is this, is it's not a new idea in the sense that no one's ever presented it before. It's a new idea with a, with, it's an idea with a new dimension. And here's the new dimension. Listen, it's not that, that God hadn't told everybody to love each other before, but what does Jesus say? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, look, just as I have loved you. That's the new dimension. No one's ever given their life for anyone before. No one's ever paid the ultimate price for them before. And so Jesus says, you are to love one another as I have loved you. That's the new dimension. And it changes the thing. It changes everything, right? Is it now we love as Christ loved? So how did Christ love? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked, Clint. All right? We love selflessly. We love selflessly. How many of you, um, like, you buy a meal for your kids? Or you go to a, go to a you know, restaurant or whatever, you buy a meal for their, your kids, and they get their meal, and they eat their meal, or they inhale their meal, and they're like, hey, can I have some of yours? I, I haven't even taken a bite. Like, I've been prepping your burger as it was going in your mouth. Like, I don't understand. So, so the other night, we were doing some things, and Logan was like, hey, I'm going to pick up Brahms. I'm like, okay. She picked up Brahms, and, and, and the kids sat down, and they ate, and Logan ate, and then I, I go to sit down and eat. And I have my burger, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a fry guy. Like, I love fries. Like, you can have the burger, just give me the fries. Like, that's just me. Okay, I'm real picky about my fries too, like crinkle cuts. Got, if you're giving me a shoestring fry, I'm out, we're done. Our relationship's over. Like, I'm not going to that restaurant, okay? So, and by the way, if you don't want to know where the best fries are in town, come ask me, I can tell you. So, <clears throat> so we sit down and I'm, I'm like, hey, where's my fries? And Logan was like, well, I got some for you and the kids to share. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's never been okay in our marriage. Um, but nonetheless, I backed off, and I was like, hey, where are my fries? And Landry was like, they're over here. And I was like, okay, can you bring them to me? She brings me seven French fries. Seven! I was like, y'all ate all the fries. We, we left you some. No, you didn't. You left me enough to make me angry. That's what you did. <laughs> Whew. I tell you all of that because as a parent, one of the things you learn to do is you learn to love selflessly, don't you? You learn oftentimes as a parent how to do without so that your kids can have, right? Jesus loves selflessly. What does he do even, even right before this, this, this sermon and talking to the disciples Jesus gets down on his hands and knees and, and he takes a cloth and he takes a bowl of water and he washes their feet. The lowest position in their social order, Jesus assumes. And he serves them selflessly. Right? That's how we love. 
And that's how you and I are to love. It's a love with a new dimension. Well, he also loves this way. He loves sacrificially. He loves sacrificially. What, what does Jesus do? He goes to a cross. But not only did he go to a cross, church, he was beaten. Beaten in ways that you and I and our minds cannot even begin to comprehend. Broken ribs, wide gaping wounds with shards of glass and nails. He was whipped and he was flogged and he was punched and he was beaten. And then he was hung on a cross to suffocate with nails in his hands and nails in his feet to be the one and for all sacrifice for you and for me. He loved sacrificially and he calls you and I to do the same. When's the last time you sacrificed so that Someone else gains something. Called to love that way. But he also loved understandingly. Over and over, Jesus' grace and his mercy to people, when everyone else was judging them, was astounding. You have the lady who's caught in adultery and all of the religious leaders of the day are, are, are ready to do what? Stoner. Jesus graciously picks her up. Shows grace and kindness and mercy to her. But I want you to see something. It's really it's huge. Because in our society and in our culture today, the word love oftentimes is synonymous with approval. And Jesus cares and loves us enough to not leave us where we're at. So love never equated approval. In fact, the book of Hebrews tells us what? He loves, he disciplines those he loves. So, so Jesus with this woman who's caught in adultery gets her up and he's gracious and he's kind and he's understanding to her, but he looks at her and says, go and sin no more. He doesn't leave her where she's at. He doesn't say, hey, it's okay, and pats her on the back. He says, go and sin no more. He loves understandingly. And so there's this new dimension for us as believers, as the church, as disciples, that we are called to love one another in a whole new dimension. One of the ways, one of the best ways I know for us as church members to love one another is first to make sure, okay, this is first, 
to make sure that I am pursuing after Jesus. Because when I'm pursuing after Jesus, my perspective, my discipline, my judgment is where it's supposed to be. And so the commitment of church membership is first to be helping you become a disciple, but it's helping you to love one another and come alongside each other and say, hey, I'm going to graciously love you. I'm going to love you understandingly. I'm going to love you sacrificially, and I'm going to love you selflessly. Just as Jesus did. He sets the example. Because look, what he goes on to say, we, we read already, he's like, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By how you love each other is how they're going to know. How you love one another is how they will know. You belong to him. How many of you, it's okay if you admit this, it's okay if you don't, how many of you have not been loving to people outside the church before? Okay, some of you are admitting. We all have, haven't we? We all get frustrated. We all get irritated. Maybe it's a driver in the wrong lane called the fast lane, and they're going slow. I don't know. What, what, where in what place... Have you been unloving? But, again, Jesus is talking to us right here. So here's the harder question. When's the last time you were unloving to someone in here? When's the last time you judged somebody in here instead of loving them? Because that's the harder question, isn't it? All people will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Our ushers are going to come. They're going to pass out this little sheet of paper. It's a document, okay? I'm going to read this sheet of paper. And, and this, this document is simply this, okay? For those of you that have been a church member for a long time, it's a reminder, okay? How many of you need reminders? Come on, all of us, we all do. It's a reminder. For those of us that have just stepped into the church for the first time, this is a, hey, these are some things that I need to do. As a church member, these are things that I need to be committed to. And so we're giving you this document. They're gonna pass these out. I want you to see it. I want you to find a place in your home for it where you see it on a regular basis and you are reminded of it because we all need the reminder every day on what it looks like to be a church member so we're going to hand these out um and and, and i'm gonna we're gonna read them together you're not gonna read out loud but i'm gonna i'm gonna read them and you can follow along well, i'll let, let them get them out in here and then we will go from there
Anybody got one? Anybody need one? Stacy, right here, right behind you, Sean or Terry. All right, we good? Everybody good? Oh, we got some more over here. Over here. So we've been, for the last four weeks, we've been walking through, really last five weeks, we've been walking through, what does it look like for us to be a church member? We've talked about the importance of it, we've talked about the role of it, the expectation of it, um, we've talked about the process of it, we've talked about today the commitment of it, okay? Uh, we, as a body, are, we talk about this often, we do this together. These are things we do together, okay? And, and so these we made these statements um, personalized because they're for you. One of the best ways you can do to love one another is to be committed to these things and to one another, right? And so when you commit to the local body of believers, you are ultimately committing to one another. So, first one, I am a member of the body of Christ. And because of this, I must be a functioning member. As a functioning member, I will give I will serve, I will minister, I will evangelize, and I will study. I will seek to be a blessing to others. I will remember that if one suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I will seek to be a source of unity in my church. I know there are no perfect persons, staff, or other church members, but neither am I. I will not be a source of gossip or dissension. One of the greatest contributions I can make is to do all I can in God's power to help keep the church in unity for the sake of the gospel. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, Romans 12, 18. I will seek to lead our neighbors to know and be changed by Jesus. Everyone, including my family, friends, co-workers, and people across the globe are our neighbors, and all of them need to know the gospel. I will, through this covenant, give myself as Christ's servant through participation in his mission in the world. Luke 10, 36 and 37. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. I will commit to study the Bible, meditate, and pray to experience the presence of God more fully. Educate our family members in God's word. Instruct them in his ways, together with the church to worship God. Share the gospel and examine the implication for our lives. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I will lead my family to be good members of this church. We will be present when our church meets, 
We will pray together for our church. We will worship together in our church. We will serve together in our church. And we will ask Christ to help us fall deeper in love with this church because he gave his life for her. Hebrews 10, 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I will pray for the pastor and staff of this church. I understand that their work is never ending. Their days are filled with numerous demands that bring emotional highs and lows. They must deal with critics. They must be good husbands and wives because they cannot do all things in their own power. I will pray for their strength and wisdom daily. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. That is self-serving. I'm a member in this church to serve others and to serve Christ. My Savior went to a cross for me. I can deal with my inconveniences and matters that aren't just my preference or style. Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I will remember that this membership is a gift. When I received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, I became a part of the body of Christ. I soon thereafter identified with a local body and was baptized. And now I am humbled and honored to serve and to love others in our church. I pray that I will never take my membership for granted, but see it as a gift and opportunity to serve others and to be a part of something so much greater than any one person or member. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is the commitment of church membership, that we do these things together so that the world sees us and says they belong to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Father, I pray. Father, I pray that first as the pastor that I would be committed. Father, that I would be found faithful in this. Father, before I ever ask anyone else to, God, may that be true of me. But Father, as we do this together as a body of believers, may we hold one another accountable. May we love one another. And Father, by so doing, as Jesus has said, they will know that we are your disciples. Father, this morning, May we respond to that. May we say we are committed even when it requires that we as an individual discipline ourselves to you.
be with us in these last moments. It's your name we pray. Amen.